Hey, this episode may contain some challenging topics discussed. If anything said makes you feel uncomfortable or raise any concerns, there are contact details for services that can help you in the description below. Kids Helpline can be contacted on 1800 55 1800. For emergencies, contact 000. Hi, welcome to Youth Ally. My name is Jake and with me is Paris. Paris, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well. Uh, in the interest of getting the audience to get to know us better, uh, tell us what you do during the week. So I'm currently full-time at school in my HSC year. I play soccer three times a week um, and coach alongside of that. How about you? I am in my final year at university. I study a Bachelor of Business and I major in sports management. Awesome. Also, to get to know you further, uh, can you tell me your favourite form of potato? Favourite form of potato? Uh, Probably gnocchi. I love gnocchi Gnocchi. so much. My mum makes the best um, pasta, creamy sauce. It's so good. How about you? Hot chips for me, for sure. (laughs) But I feel like mashed potato should deserves a mention. Yeah, of course. Um, I haven't heard anyone say gnocchi before in all the times I've asked people that question. So that was that was interesting. Yep. So Jake, you got to interview Cassandra on our first episode about sex. Why did Emma and wife decide to do that for their first episode? So we were discussing what would be a good issue to start off our podcast series with, and we thought that sex would be a good place to start. I feel like we don't learn enough at school, so it was an issue that yeah we could really um, learn a lot about, and it was really interesting. Um, speaking to Cassandra and I hope everyone else uh, will take something out of the interview. Perfect. Let's dive straight into it. We're interviewing Cassandra, a clinical psychologist and sexologist and asking her some hopefully interesting questions about young people and sex. Uh, so, hi Cassandra. Hey Jake, how you doing? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Um, can you just start by introducing yourself, maybe yeah, just telling us about what you do? Sure. So I'm a sexologist based in Melbourne. I'm the founder of Pleasure Centered Sexology and I support people with sexual and pleasure experiences through sex therapy or sex coaching um, and with sex education. Great. Uh, We have a a sort of an icebreaker question for you. Um, I'd like to know your favourite type of potato. Oh, potato. So, like, mm, for example, mine to... is like a hot chip or a mashed potato. Oh, gosh. I, I, I really like potatoes. So, like, at the moment I'm liking sweet potato chips or baked sweet potatoes, but I also just like regular potato chips. Yeah, it's a very difficult one. <laughs> <laughs> good choice, good choice. So what makes you qualified to talk about these things, about sex? Mm, it's a good question and I'm really glad you asked, Jake. So I have studied a, a, bachelor, um, a bachelor of Psychology with honours. I also have a Master's in Sexology and I have um, a couple of relationship counselling degrees and, um, and a degree in uh, being trauma-informed, basically. I also um, have done um, and I continue to do a lot of work to challenge my own beliefs and my own biases around sexuality and sex and pleasure so that I don't really project or cause harm um, to the people that I'm working with and 
it's because we live in such a sex negative and oppressive culture. There's so much unlearning and relearning to do. And I guess doing those things is an important part of what makes me qualified and what, you know, makes it possible for me to talk about about sex in, in these ways. Yeah, you sound, you sound very qualified. Um, why did you choose to go into this area of psych? This sometimes is a hard question to answer, but um, I've always believed, you know, when I was studying my Bachelor in Psychology that uh, pleasure is so central to well-being um, and that in my psychology degree, we didn't really talk a lot about sex and it is an important thing in many people's lives. Uh, I also found that psychology was fairly pathologizing, so talking about how people um, as individuals have these problems that they should then go and try and fix, but without the discussion and the discourse around how uh, social, structural and systemic factors really impact sexual challenges and, and how people move through the world and how they feel about themselves and their bodies and their experiences. That sounds like a, a great reason. Um, can I ask you, why do people have sex? Like, what, What's the point of sex? <laughs> um, another great question. I actually wanted to put it to you first and say, well, what do you think? Like, why do you think people have sex or what's the point? And then I'll let you know what I think. I'm not sure. I, I don't have much experience in psychology, but I, I think I could say that I, it's an enjoy, enjoyable thing. So that would... People like to do stuff that makes them happy, and if it makes them happy, then that's why they do it. But apart from that, I'm not really too sure. Yeah, that is, that's a really good response. Like, there's there are hundreds of reasons why people have sex. Um, there was a study many years ago that found 236 or seven reasons um, that pe- why people had sex, basically. Um, Sex is ultimately a very social experience, so people do it for connection, to express their love or feel love, um, to celebrate or, you know, to, to be with their partner and, and, yeah, express their care and love for someone else. Um, but people also do it to feel pleasure, like you said, or to um, deal with stress. Um, and then sometimes people have sex for power or for status or to feel good about themselves, even to fit in. And then I guess other times people might have sex because they think it's their duty or it's their obligation um, in a relationship or if they didn't say yes to having sex, then maybe they'd you know, upset their partner or hurt their partner's feelings. Sex, I really think it stands in for so many things, um, for pleasure connection or resources and you know, there's so much meaning assigned to sex. But it is, a, you know, it's a lot about connection. It's a lot about feeling good um, and, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I want to talk about safe sex a little bit. And so, yeah, we want to talk about um, safe sex and safe sex with young people. So what are some ways for young people in, to navigate same-sex relationships? It's always great to talk about it in terms of safer sex because, you know, while you try, while you, we all do our best to, to be safe during sex, there's some things that come up that we can't fully prepare for. Um, specifically in terms of um, same sex relationships, because the discourse around sex tends to be very heteronormative and 
only views real sex as penetration or intercourse, um, thinking about, you know, barrier methods, um, safer sex materials like, you know, things like dental dams for oral sex, um, you know, gloves, all those things apply to same-sex relationships. Um, same with condoms on sex toys. Barrier methods are a really big thing. Um, but in general and for all relationships, safer sex is about being fully informed. So what's going to happen? You know, what are the risks and opportunities? Um, would you say that's pretty relevant, Jake? Definitely, yeah. I think it's yeah, it's a great response and very eloquently eloquently put. Um, um, thank you. To <laughs> add to that, um, I'd also like to say that you know, being fully informed. Um, beyond that, it's about you know active participation and collaboration for all relationships, whether it's um, you know people of the same gender or different genders. Um, it's about, you know, sharing feedback and setting boundaries so that everybody knows that, you know, it's okay to stop or to pause or to adjust or take a break for whatever relationship, whatever kind of relationship you're in um, with whatever kind of partner. Um, it's important to know that pleasure is also an expected outcome when it comes to, you know, safer sex um, for young people or for any people. Um so that's all I'd add. Um, how would we know when we're we're ready for sex? Is it something that's physical or mental or perhaps a bit of both? Yeah, so for some people, they do feel some wanting, maybe excitement, maybe motivation, um, and they might have explored their own bodies in a really sexual way and they've figured out what feels good or, or what they'd at least like to try um, and then they might go to have those experiences with other people. They sort of just feel like it's the right decision. Um, but for other people, there's not really any clear signs. Like they, nothing really comes up in their body. They're not, they're maybe a bit ambiguous around whether they want to have sex. And so sex really can be a choice. Um, it's a decision to, to move towards it if that feels right. And because it's a choice and because it's a decision, you always have the option to change your mind in the moment or do something else if you don't really want to go ahead with it. Um, and then other people might pay attention to what's going on in their body. So they might be feeling whether they're relaxed and open and are they aroused sort of before they decide to do anything. That's a really good indicator whether you want to go forward and have sex. They might notice that they're really tense in their body and that's sometimes an indicator to not go ahead with sex because, you know, there's tension and tightness and maybe your body's feeling anxious. I would also add that sex doesn't really have to be like a special act of penetration because real sex isn't about intercourse. And so when, you know, when sex could be anything, um, it's really easy to move forward and do what you feel is comfortable rather than sort of aiming towards being ready for a specific act, if that all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, contraception. So how do, we, how do we know what works, what contraceptive um, tools work best for us and how do we access them? 
Mm-hmm. Contraception um, is really important. So initially, like first up, there's the safer sex supplies, things like barrier methods like condoms. Then there's another category which I guess we'll call, um, or which are commonly called uh, long acting reversible contraception and they're things like you know the hormonal oral contraception so like the pill or the IUD which is an intrauterine device that sort of goes and sits inside the body Um, then there's an implanon which is an implant which tends to go like in your arm or your buttocks and then there's even like a low uh, like a really low cost um, or um, you know full price emergency contraception which you've probably heard as the morning after pill um, and you get these forms of contraception from your GP or a sexual health clinic or like drop-in centres or family planning centres and sometimes you need an appointment and, and sometimes you don't. So I think young people may feel a lot of pressure to have sex. Um, how? What are some ways that people can avoid feeling this pressure to have sex or even starting a conversation about not wanting to have sex? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd actually say that it's, it's not really one person's responsibility to prevent or like resist being pressured by others for sex. I'd say like it's a really big cultural, social, um, family relationship responsibility to teach people that they're not entitled to sex or to another person's body and that people are really allowed to change their minds or to say no to sex without fear or pressure or um, without consequences, basically. And I'd say that something that I guess we as individuals can do is having conversations before, during and after sex, which is incredibly important. So talking about boundaries, like what you're comfortable with and not comfortable with or what you're willing and open to doing and, and what you're not. Um, and I'd also say that it's really okay to um, say no without guilt that, you know, doing or tolerating something that you don't want can lead to pain, resentment and hurt. It can really impact you and your relationship. And that does come from, you know, this real social pressure um, to be sexual and pressure in a moment to be sexual. As young people, uh, what are the laws that we should be aware of around sex? What should we know? There's the age of consent laws. Do you know much about them? A little bit, yes. Um, so in New South Wales, um, do you know what the age of consent is? I believe it's 16. Yeah, that's Yeah, that's right. And I think for... A lot of other states, it's about 16, some places it's 17. So it, it differs, you know, state by state. Um, but the age of consent laws is a really big thing. And, you know, that means that when you're 16, you are legally able to consent to sex with someone that's within two years um, older than you. And so, for example... If someone's more than two years older than you, you're not able to legally consent or if you're 14 or 15 and want to have sex with someone who's um, older than you, you can really only legally consent there if that person um, is, um, you know, either two years older or two years, two years younger than you as well. 
Um, and so that can be really confusing because it's hard to work out the, the two-year range and figuring out, you know, what somebody's age is um, and then state by state. Uh, do you have any, any tips for us regarding uh, online sex in terms of, um, yeah, sharing nudes, sexting, et cetera? Mm-hmm. I do. So I think that it's really okay to, you know, explore and be interested in online sex or, or nudes and, and wanting for sex without actually having to share straight away. Um, that might mean sort of, you know, finding a, a space or a community that you feel safe and comfortable in, whether that's you're, you're looking for porn and erotica online or whether you're using dating platforms, texting um, or sexting, it, it's important to find somewhere that really values your privacy, that makes you feel safe, that you have feel like you have some choice. I'd also say it's fairly important to explore with your, you know, critical hat on it not everything online is going to be pleasurable or inclusive um there's a fair amount of pressure on there exploring and and being aware that you know things might come up that might make you feel uncomfortable and having people to talk to support friends peer supports or counselors are really great really great resources to have when it comes to dealing with things that, you know, either make you uncomfortable or that, um, you know, you're not really sure where to go um, in terms of maybe sharing nudes or sexting, only share what you're comfortable with and talk about your boundaries early. So, for example, a boundary might be, um, you know, that you only want to share... Um, like top half photos um, and you're not going to include your face because you're worried what happens if somebody sends that on to somebody else or you're having an agreement with a person that if you're going to show them photos of yourself that they're not going to pass those on to someone else because um, that's, that's illegal, that's a breach of consent um, and it's really harmful and is what makes being online in the sexual space really damaging for a lot of people. Lastly, I'd say it's really great to be fully informed before you do anything. So having a conversation with somebody before you engage in sexting or when you get onto a dating website, figuring out what you're there for, uh, what the other people that you're connecting with are there for, um, making in your intentions and understanding their intentions can can, you know, clear up a lot of the confusion um, and a lot of the challenges that often do arise. Is there anything else that you wish to, to share with the young people while you have the platform here? So one of a really common question that um, I tend to get is, is around, you know, is sex natural? Is it okay if we don't want to have sex? Um, and what does that mean for, for us and our relationships? Um, and I'd really say that sex isn't a natural thing. It, it's not a drive like the drive to eat or sleep or drink or excrete is. And, you know, it's a skill that has to be learned. And keeping desire and interest in sex is a really intentional thing. Um, it's okay for it to take time to 
explore or to discover what feels really good for you. Um, and it takes, if it might take time to figure out what doesn't work, it's hard to, um, to know what you want if you haven't explored your own body first. I also think that communicating before, during and after sex is, is key to a great sex life. And if it feels hard to talk about sex, it can be really hard to have a good sex life. Oh, that's great. That's, um, it's very informative. We really pl- appreciate you um, coming on today with us, Cassandra, and sharing your time and giving us great insight. Uh, we really appreciate it, especially for our first, our first episode. Uh, it's my pleasure, Jake, and thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a real privilege to be here and to be able to talk about these things. Thanks to Cassandra again for her willingness to talk to us on our first episode. On the next episode, we'll be discussing vapes v. Siggies and what it's all about. To find out more or if you have any topics in mind for future episodes, head to our socials in the description below. Hope to catch you next time.